0: You're listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast with your host Andy Plymer.
1: For someone to explain,
0: bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby, sharing ideas to make the game better.
2: Okay, welcome to episode number 10 of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer. Uh, joining me today is Curry Hitchborn. Curry is a longtime servant of rugby in uh, the British Columbia province in Canada. He's had numerous roles, uh, ranging from BC under 17 boys to uh, roles with Capilano Senior Men, which is a club site in BC. And he's now in his third year as the forwards coach for the University of British Columbia. Uh, we've coached together in the Canada U17 program in the past, and I'm really happy to have him on the show. Uh, he knows his rugby and is a high-quality human being. Uh, so, Curry, welcome, mate.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Andy. It's, yeah. uh, it's nice to be able to talk to you face-to-face instead of grammatically incorrect text.
2: For sure. Uh, all right, so what's your what's your backstory? You're, you're the forwards coach now for um, UBC uh, yeah. in your third year. What What's going to happen in the... Say so the ten years leading up to that.
1: Uh, it started with my brother and I moving up to Canada from the United States with our father. Yep. Uh, I picked up a rugby ball when I was twelve. It was either that or hockey. Uh, we couldn't afford to play hockey; it was too cost prohibitive. Um, we started out simply enough: three-quarter length sleeve cotton jerseys in the middle of the rain, and uh, rugby was very good to me. You know, I played at Hansworth in North Vancouver, played for the Capilanos, and then I went down to the United States on a rugby scholarship. Played for the University of Nevada yep. with uh, Todd Clever, was my roommate. Okay. Probably couldn't pick me out of a police lineup these days. Anybody uh, Moved back to Canada, played a little bit more rugby, but snapped my Achilles tendon in half, blew my knee out, busted my face, broke my hand. It just, they just piled up, and I was never that good anyways. Um, I got engaged, <laughs> by, uh, engaged in coaching by a man by the name of Rick Turter, who was an RDO out of Taranaki. And okay. I Capilano head coach at the time, and he put me on to coaching. So at 21, I started coaching um, men's third division, and then... The Thirsty Thirds? Yeah, I went, well, I went from playing with them to coaching them, which was difficult for a 21-year-old.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: And then from there, I went and I started coaching our uh, U-17 team, uh, and then I, I met Ramsey Slankton along the way. Yep. He coached against each other at high school teams, and then wound up coaching together on the U-19 team. And one year he turned to me and he said, "Hey, look, I uh, I gotta go." I was like, "Where are you going?" He's <laughs> like, "UBC," and I was great, you know, good on you, man. Uh, you know, your good friend. At that point in time, UBC was kind of a—it was bit—it was—it wasn't a bit. It was the whipping boy. It was that—it was that schedule. It was that game on our men's schedule where we could breathe a sigh of relief and rest some guys. And um, you know, not taking it away from the rugby club that did a lot for me or rugby in general, but a year later. He'd asked me if I wanted a job after we'd won our Roundswell Cup, with yeah. uh, the BC Men's Premiership. Asked if I wanted a gig, and and I jumped at it. I said, "Yeah, absolutely." And uh, that was in 2013. So I've been there ever since. Um, in between that, I was recently at Canada U17 West with Dan Meikle out of Alberta. Yeah. Um, and then I've done some uh, some u 17 or some BC 19 stuff. I was at the last. Um, Last CRC's as an assistant coach to Chris Descosa while we were in Regina, he did an excellent job with that team, and um, we'll see where I am with that moving to the new year. Recently just lost, actually just lost our U18 club championship to the Castaway Wanderers. Uh, that was on Saturday. Or, sorry, Sunday. So I'm just wrapping up my season here. Our last game for UBC will be December 5th. Yep. Burnaby Lake, it's the Mainland Cup, and we'll be, we'll be playing them at the uh, Keith Woods Arena at U- UBC.
2: Okay. Oh, good luck. All the best. Yeah, and um, you know, Ramses is a is a is a good bloke, and uh, I'll be keen to get him on the show sometimes too to to have a chat. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's some good good coaches out there, some good people. Um, basically, what I wanted to focus on in this show was, uh, you're coaching a university team in a men's league, uh, and like you kind of alluded to, there, there's been some rough patches for UBC in the past, and they're they're doing extremely well right now, so um. Yeah, we'll get to a few questions on the the pros and cons of uh, coaching that that age group in a senior men's team, but just for listeners, what's a description of the men's league that UBC competes in?
1: Uh, we play in what's known as the BC Elite Men's Competition. It's a two-part season, so we play in the fall which is qualification for the second half, which is the spring. Um, okay. It's an odd season. We have a like a 6-week break which we at UBC managed to pepper in a trip to Cal Berkeley. Um, or a boot game against the University of Victoria. And it's uh, perceptibly it's the top men's league in North America. Yeah. I'm not certain that is entirely the case., yep. a very competitive league. Uh, we get you know we routinely come across national level players, ex national level players, and emerging players. We're starting to see a lot of players come out of back East, living in clubs in British Columbia. Preparing for age grade teams, be they Canada U18 or Canada U20 or the Maple Leafs. Yep. Um, We're starting to see more and more of them actually crop up at our rival university, UVic, which is beginning to do a really, really, really good job of recruitment. They have in the past as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We also get a fair number of those guys. So it's, it's, it's a good league for sure. We recently beat Seattle, which USA rugby had ranked as number one.
2: Yeah, thing. I saw that. That's a great result.
1: Yeah, it was really, really, really good. Um, they were ranked the number one rugby club in USA, by USA Rugby, and it was good to go out there. That would be now be the third time we had beaten them. We beat mm-hmm. them to get out of the previous league, which was Okanagan Spring Brewery League One, yep. which was when I first started. Okay, okay. All
2: right. Awesome. So, um, you know, coaching uh, university side, you, you've got obviously a younger playing group than you would against... Uh, um, the the teams you're you're up against. What what are some of the challenges of of coaching guys who are probably in their early twenties mostly, um, uh, against guys who have made. They they there may be some guys in their mid to late thirties uh, who have you know got a good couple of hundred club games under their belt. What what are some of the challenges there?
1: Well, from from my perspective, um, you know, being a forwards coach out there, obviously where teams are going to look to beat us up will be the scrum. Yeah. First place, they're going to look to take on ball office in the second piece in the lineup as well. Yeah. Us, um, you know, and then I do I do some basic skill work as well. Obviously with all the teams, so just just to bring you into the fold here, I'm not just the forwards coach for our top team. Yeah. So we run a men's team, a men's first division team, a men's third division team, and a men's U- U20 team. All right, great. So I do the I do the forward work for all of those groups. So four teams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Build our lineouts, things like that, which are very, very. Our are basic. Our scrums are quite basic. The challenges we face, obviously, are exactly what you, you would expect, which are just physical challenges. Mm. Um, uh, with the inclusion of crouch bind set, rugby rugby has done an excellent job in reducing a lot of the unnecessary impact in the scrum. Yeah, you know, playing was crouch engage. <laughs> And now it's cross-touch positive games, and cross-touch set, and cross-pine set. All of it just comes down to how well you can handle your, your physical load, and where I'm finding and the players are as well. So in in lack of size, we are reliant on technique. Yeah. And we've found out um, up until actually our last game against Seattle, we lost one against the head because people actually have to strike for a ball in a scrum now. We've been really lucky. Our scrum percentage has been 100% on our own ball. Wow. So we've, we've been winning all of our own ball. Um our line outs will cough up one or two, but we'll take four or five. So we're we're very, 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 very focused on basic scrummaging technique.
2: Mm.
1: I mean I can't I can't start off. We are what we're doing out there is so alarmingly basic that it uh I mean it it, it it's it's it doesn't change its just best body position, if, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, and exactly. we've been able to we've been able to use a lot of our own scrum as an attacking option. We've been lucky this year in the sense that at our top level, we've gotten a few pushover tries. Um, at our U20 level, we're routinely winning not only ours, but the opposition scrum, scrum ball as well. At our men's first division level, which is kind of where you know, your top tier 18 year old and your emerging 19 year old, we just put them directly in men's leagues as well. Yeah. Um, if pairing up top of the U20s, things like that. So it's, it all comes down to the fact that those guys take a lot of pride in those basic skills. I mean, a lot of pride. It's yeah. not enough to show up and get a couple sets on the scrum machine. You know, it's not enough when the u 20s scrummage against our – when our Hawks scrummage against our Thunderbirds, it's not enough for them just to show up and wind up on their faces. They're, they're desperate to win that ball. And, you know, it's that, it's that addition of that those, unco- those uncoachables that allow for us to encounter that success. And obviously, you being a back –
2: understand
1: the importance of being able to get the clean ball out of a scrum and a nice
2: attack um yeah it's it's a confidence boost yeah so a lot of a lot of what you're talking about there sounds like attitudinal stuff there that that it's that it's more mindset stuff rather than as you say you're doing complete scary kind of basic work there it's nothing there's no rocket science there so obviously the coach's role there is to really really push on the the accountability and on the on the, the expectations that the group have of themselves in those situations, right?
1: It's uh, every, Everything we do out there is character-based. Yeah. Um, you know, every scrum is something that you're to take pride in. The fact that you're you're out there playing and you don't hear from a coach on the day is something that you take pride in. Um, we're be- very hands-off on that approach. Mm. During the week when we train, I mean, I'm like a wet blanket, I understand that, but come Saturday, we don't have anything to say to those guys because they take so much pride in their own skill. Yeah. They know and they know they know when they lose a scrum, they know when they slip a bind, they know when they leave early. They're, they're all things that they're they're well aware of, and it's a culture that they themselves have built. I've been lucky enough to be there to help facilitate, though.
2: Yeah, yeah, great. All right. So um, challenges being set piece and the 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 physical kind of winning the contact part of the game. What about some advantages for coaching a university side in a men's league?
1: Um, well, we're we have a very captive audience. yeah. Very, very captive audience, and we have the training facilities at UBC are second to none. We just got a brand-new stadium in, uh, a brand-new field in right in front of our, our Jerome McGavin rugby facility. Great. Um, I, I believe the new groundskeeper for our rugby field is the old Everton guy or something some oh, like wow. Soccer <laughs> guy. I don't, I don't really know. Outstanding field. Yeah you know, and the way it's set up, it's set up like an anvil, you know, you've, everything's in a triangle, so you can just, it's a short walk everywhere, you gotta walk from the Smith and Laco varsity gym, to the Gerald McGavin clubhouse, to the Keith Woods turf, all-weather, all-weather field, mm. uh, so the advantages are, there's no, no one's coming in late because they had work, or, you know, no one's got their girlfriend's or mom's birthday or something like that, it's, it's not, we don't, we don't run into a lot of those same issues, mm. and, because once you make a varsity status list, uh, there are financial benefits for some guys. Yep. Um, it is, I believe, as close as we're getting right now to a paid-to-play model. Um, I, we pay you to work out, so you get that. It's not a lot of money either, but you get that financial incentive where you know I'm a varsity. I'm a member of the varsity status. I'm a member of the. I'm a member of the this program. All these other things, and guys want to be there at a club. Having coached there for years, um, it can obviously be tricky. You have people that are, you know, work commitments and and the rest of that. So that's – and then youth is obviously on our side. Um, You know, being 31 years old, if if I were doing a fraction of what those guys are doing, there is no bend. It's purely break. Um, We have a a very excellent medical staff. We have excellent rehab, prehab facilities. And – it's just we want to mitigate as much as much excuse and worry as possible. So come Saturday, uh, and not just you know weekend to weekend, but two months down the road, we've we've done our due diligence, and those guys don't have an excuse not to succeed. And, that, and that's part of it.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, and um, I think a bunch of stuff that you're saying there resonates, um, especially just the fact that like, these these kids at this age they don't have the the life hassles <laughs> that that adult real like. like Grown adults, kind of in the workforce, yeah. and you know uh, all the pressures and you know, parenting. Not that that's a life hassle, but like, yeah. just the, the push and pull from everything else outside of rugby. So that must be really—that uh, that must be a nice luxury. How much? Uh, how much contact time do you get with the guys? Um, how, ma- how much? How many times are they on the field practicing? How many times are they in the weight room uh, lifting?
1: So Monday is uh, gym, rehab, prehab. Yeah. Tuesday is skills. Skills, 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 skills. Wednesday is prehab, rehab, weights. Um, Thursday is unit-specific skills uh, and a little bit of gameplay. We don't actually do any tactics at all. People have been asking us, you know, what's your game plan? What are you guys running? I, I wish I knew. I honestly did <laughs> play play r- certain rugby in certain areas based on what they see in front of them. It comes back down to that empowerment facet.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Saturday. Sunday is obviously a day of rest. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you don't, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say that there are no pressures or no worries for these guys. Like, we're in exams right now. Guys will miss games due to exams. Yeah, yeah. Guys programs. They have to do a co op. We have guys in med school and they have to go and they got to go work at St. Paul's or St. Vincent's. You've got guys that are in Souter School of Business and heads yeah. of various committees. They've got to do things. So there are those pressures there, but with effective. Effective time management. And understanding, we tend to mitigate a lot of that. Like if you have an exam, you say, "Hey, we've got an exam. Just let your coaches know." We work around that.
2: Yeah, yeah. the academic uh, requirements to stay in UBC are pretty high, right?
1: Yeah, to get to get in our high to stay in our high. Um, that there's there's a myth that we're able to bend rules and get guys in that have poor grades, things like that. But mm. we don't we don't we don't want those people. We don't want that guy. I want the guy that's you know we want the straight day student. We want the guy with the good grades because. You know, if you can sit in a classroom and compete for days on end all through your formative years, odds are you're going to be competitive and intelligent on a rugby field as well. Yeah, so. yeah.
2: well, I know that's a myth
1: from a, from a personal
2: standpoint. I know that's a myth because uh, one of my athletes that you guys identified uh, a couple of years ago, he, he couldn't get in um, because of academics. He's He's not – not that he's academically weak, but it's very academically demanding. UBC and and he couldn't get in, even though you guys identified him. So you know, that's um, that's obviously um, the first thing that's got to come into it is is they're going to be uh, they're going to have a life after rugby. So uh, you can't bend those rules.
1: That, and that, that, that's what's most important. I mean, it's one thing for us to come out, come out and, you know, have the record we currently have and build the program we do, but what, what they're doing beyond rugby is very, very important to all members of our staff. Yeah. Uh, it's very important. You know, it's just, it's, that's just the reality. Not a lot of guys are getting paid to play rugby in Canada. So, mm. you know, if you look at a, a very holistic, very natural approach to your life moving forward, um, I, I personally, I've seen, I'm watching it happen right now, you can you can have school, you can have a life, and you can still play highly competitive rugby. It's um, you know, it it it's very it's very 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 good to see. Mm. We're getting we're getting guys that are doing full time school and a job, but they're also you know they have their comforts of their home and they're still able to play rugby. It's it's good, and, yeah. and that that comes down to us not having to hold your hand through school because if you can't manage all that workload, yeah, in the actually come in that school, chew you up and spit you out. There's sixty thousand people out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, all right. So um you mentioned that uh before Rama took over, um that UBC were were, were struggling. Um and then there's been quite a turnaround. I believe you guys won the won the UB uh won the uh B C championship last year. Um yeah. and you I think correct me if I'm wrong, you're you're in first place uh this year. Um yeah. What, what, what do you put down to some of the, the, the strategies that you guys put in place to, to get that turnaround? Um, be bunch, yeah. right?
1: the, the, the gentleman that, um, that we kind of took over from, Spence McTavish, Yep, I would say 90% of it goes to him. Spence was there for years and years and years, and he, he, did, he did an outstanding job um, towards the end. There, there were some changes that need to take place, not with him, but with some mm. of the people that were currently involved in the program. Okay. And when Ramsey asked me if I wanted to work, you know, I said, "Well, I'm at a rugby club right now, and how is it different?" And he said, it, he said "It's different in the sense that we can we have a chance to rebuild this, which for myself, you know, it was, it was outstanding. Got mm. a chance to rebuild it. Went in there, we paid very close attention to recruitment. Yep. Paid very close attention." to coaches in Canada, Um, other coaches with us. We talked, what is it that you're doing? What would you like to see? Guys like yourself, I spoke to you about it when I first started. You know, every coach I talk to, we we try and pick something up because we're trying to build something that is, in fact, inherently Canadian. Yeah. We found that our athletes have really bought into that. On a recruitment level, um, we've we've been very lucky with our alumni. We're not CIS, so we're allowed a little bit more leeway in terms of who we can recruit and how we recruit. Um, you know, so you look at our roster, we have some very, very top-level players from, from other countries. And I understand that that seems kind of like a, a bit of a contradiction, something inherently Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the guys we have are permanent residents eligible for Canada yeah. and, you know, Canadian grandparents and things like that. Yeah. And right now on our roster, within our league, you're only allowed four imports. Yep. So uh, on our Saturday game day, we have one import on the field that right. are managing not to start. So it comes down to recruitment. We've tent-matched her on there. Build a profile, empower the players, make it theirs. And our alumni, I cannot speak enough about them. The Support from the school could obviously be better in terms of how they view our program.
2: Yeah.
1: Oldest varsity sport at the University of British Columbia. Right. But we're CIS, so it's it's kind of a it's kind of an awkward situation. Yeah. But so we...
2: explain explain the CIS situation there. How's how's that work for non-Canadians who don't understand the the university <laughs> league?
1: Intersport Canadian sport I believe it's and yeah. it's Canada's NCAA and we are not involved in it because uh, CIS hasn't made rugby a CIS sport. I hope to see that change one day. yeah um, I think that the just just living in it right now and having been involved in rugby for as long as I have, I think the future of rugby within Canada will be through the universities. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't go to university you obviously stay at your club. And then when you're done at university, you come back to your club or your region or whatever. I know clubs face their challenges, I know provincial unions face their challenges. And obviously our national program has plenty of challenges to face as well. I would much rather I would much rather just get it done than sit around and wait for it to happen.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, if America, having played down there as well and, and you know, paying very close attention to what goes on, if America comes in and makes rugby and NCAA sport in all facets, uh yeah. what watch out. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be, you know, it'll be a, mach- it already is a machine, um, but it'll be a much more organized, much more, you know, goal-based machine. Yeah. Um, Graham Brown obviously has left Rugby Canada. He is now the president of the CIS, I believe. And I would, I would urge Graham Brown to give a good, long look. Yeah. At using not just, not just you know, rugby universities on the west coast, but rugby universities coast to coast as a as a development tool
2: yeah absolutely but um so correct me if i'm wrong i think uh, women's rugby is cis but men's is not is that correct
1: Women, women's rugby is cis and yeah. you're seeing i mean look look at the level of success they're getting out of out of out of cis women's rugby right absolutely. now absolutely yeah you look at, you look at guys like guys like sean allen uh pletch back east um dr maria gallo over here has managed to turn turn a lot of stuff around and these people are seeing consistent success not just on a recruitment level, but just as an, as an option. I mean, you're, you're, getting, you're, getting, you're getting women come at, coming out of high school, going directly into a university program, and it's not middling competition. It's, it's excellent, high-value competition with an eye towards development. You can track these athletes. And, you know, you can already see what it's doing at a women's level. Why not, why not make the shift to men's right away as well? Yeah
2: yeah and the, the transfer to the international women's game was pretty clear with Canada coming second uh, in the world at the last world cup
1: I evident. look look at the recent women's maple Leafs tour um you know or look at canada u20 look at how many of those athletes are engaged at the university level yeah absolutely I, you, the proof, the proof is right there and they're showing well
2: yeah well let's hope let's hope something changes there um you know because uh got to get as many quality uh, Canadian players on that national team uh, on both men's and women's national team. So let's, let's hope that changes. Um, so if someone was, uh, was to watch a session you were coaching, uh, what, what, what are some things that they, if they sat down, and they watched a 40 minute session you were doing, uh, what's some of the things they'd see in here?
1: Um, in all honesty, they wouldn't see anything new. <laughs> From, from from my perspective, uh, it's the same routine. Um, it does get a bit droll, but the guys like it. Mm-hmm. You would see body activation for, if, if I was doing a 30, uh, 20, a 20-minute 20 scrum session, yeah. and try and spend as little time as possible out there. Um, you would see activation, one verse one, uh, application, directional force, you know, where am I setting my body, a little bit of bind work, mm-hmm. individual skills as well, and then we would just get right to do back row, second row on front row, hold the tension, you know, do the best we possibly can there, build a scrum, get a bunch of live sets in, and, and, that, and that would be it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not kidding when I say what we're doing is so simple and it's it's so effective because it is so simple. Yeah. Um, you know, and lineouts, again, much much the same. Practicing your core non-negotiable skills, you know, those measurables that you need to see in a lineout – if we suffered on defense the week previous then we'll work on defense during the upcoming week. Obviously you target the opposition lineout, you you know, you play to play to your strengths. Roster changes we do have injuries, so you know, build a bit of timing, but none none of it is like and I, and I just I'm not trying to be crass here, but if you were to come out to UBC, you wouldn't see anything brand new. No one out there is reinventing the wheel. No one out there is trying to do um, rugby-wise anything complicated because there's no point.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely! It's a it's a simple game, and it's it's really easy to overcomplicate it.
1: Um, we don't, I mean we we don't we don't have a playbook.
2: Yeah, no, I uh, I agree, and I think uh, I kind of shudder when I see these twenty page playbooks and Oof. and uh, you know twelve different options for for backs plays for for a sense, of, which at a professional level that might be okay, and you yeah. have the time and the contact time, for those athletes and they're capable of cognitively. Um, you know, processing that on the field, but yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. Just let keep it keep it super simple. Yeah, have, have a few uh, non-negotiables that you absolutely must see, and then let the players uh, decide the rest.
1: Well, you know, and I'm not, I'm by no means am I knocking tactic-based play. And I'm not knocking any of that stuff, but by and large, it is that it is that cargo cult coaching method. You know, where uh, we we this worked for Australia, or I just saw this in Super Fifteen. And then you know you institute it in practice. Mm. Under why why it's not working? Well, it's because you know you're not you're not the Reds. You are not you know you're not you're not the Rebels. You know you're not you know you're not you're not you're not you're not, you're not the Springboks or the All Blacks. And it I mean when I first came to UBC there were 56 different lineup options. We run we run five lineups. Yeah. Wow. 56. That's uh. That's yeah, a lot, of, a lot of options. Yeah, f- f- fifty-six line-out options. There that's were, good. I believe, there were twelve back row plays off the base of the scrum. We have one. It's pick with the wheel.
2: Yep,
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's hard enough to get them to do.
2: Yeah, oh, don't give away your secrets, man. This uh, people will hear um, this.
1: <laughs> hey, on that note, like and I've said this, I've said this to coaches from, you know. Uh, all across the uh the country here at these national festivals if anybody ever wants to come out to UBC and run a training take partner training watch a training that door is always open yeah
2: that's all- awesome that's nah, great um i uh yeah when i was out there I caught up with you last i I was i didn't have the time to do that but next time i'm out there i definitely want to for sure we'll, think,
1: we'll just think, we'll just hand you a team
2: yeah that'd be great i'd love it Cool. So, um, what's your, What's your favorite area of the game to coach? You obviously set pieces uh, right up there. Yeah, the, the set the set pieces because it's
1: um, you know, it's instant gratification for me. It, it, you know, I'm I've got my own coaching compulsions, and mm-hmm. you know, nothing better than obviously a good clean set piece with a good clean ball, be it a line out or a scrum. Yeah. Uh, I, I I particularly like the um, uh, I, I really like coaching the ruck. To be honest with yeah. you, I think there's a you know, there's no greater calling in the game, I think, than being able to consistently win your own ball in the open field.
2: Mm.
1: I mean, you know, obviously when you do have the ball, you have to make intelligent decisions with it. But before we can start working on, you know, overt lines, unders lines, wide lines, the whole nine, somebody has to get that ball out of the bottom of that ruck. Yeah. I, I've always, I've always been, a, you know, the I would say the only thing I was moderately decent when I was playing was was cleaning people off the ball. Yeah. I think it's a, um, it's just a perfect blend of gray. You know, it, it, uh, they are laws; they're not rules. And I think yeah. if you're ever to test the boundaries of anything, that that is the place right there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right, mate. Well, um, we always end the uh, end of the show with the four uh, same questions. Um, when you were a kid growing up, you said you, you got into the game about twelve years old. Yep. Uh Who was who was your favorite rugby player back then?
1: Favorite rugby player back then? Oh shoot! I mean, you already asked me these questions. I think I answered them. Um, what did I have down on
0: paper? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you meant to you meant to prep before the interview. Hold on, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to make me go into my my little spreadsheet here. Uh, I mean,
1: who who is the player I looked up to the most? I don't think it was a rugby player. No, nah, uh,
2: Larry Bird you put down.
1: Yeah, he's my favorite athlete of all time, Larry Bird, Lawrence Joseph Bird from French Lake, Indiana. I mean, you look at look at the history of that man, and you know, you look at the way he conducted himself on and off the court. Had a pretty particularly brutal upbringing. Mm, absolutely. Mm and you know he just he just made the most of it that he could he, he managed to rise above a lot of perceptions around the game and keep it strictly focused on the game he had every excuse to be a polarizing figure for uh for uh, race, racial issues and he just he just didn't he to be, he didn't give a shit he was out there just play basketball and you know he has got a very good saying i remember hearing it for the first time as a as a teenager and Players are all players will always see right through a phony and they can tell when you're not giving it all you've got and it's it's so true and that and that stuck with me you know like you've always got that guy in the locker room that wants to have the last word or you know when he gets scored on and the guy screaming underneath the post barking mm-hmm. at his team and I never responded well to that and I don't think anybody else does and Larry Bird, you just watch him even when his team was down he, he never did anything except just put it on him and and get after it
2: yeah it's good good saying cross ones like that who uh... Doesn't just need to be uh, rugby mm-hmm. players, but um, yeah, I've um, I like his story, Larry Bird. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what about right now? Who's uh, who are some of the the rugby players, the international players, going around that you really like watching? Oh, you know what, Andy?
1: I, I got to be completely honest with you. I do rugby five, six days a week. <laughs> I actually watch a lot of rugby. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> you, you've, you've prepared terribly for this interview. I've got to say.
1: You know, well, I. I, I I was more excited about talking to you and talking about rugby than myself, to be completely honest with you.
2: We just uh pick pick a name, someone not from
1: the All Blacks. <laughs> Somebody else, that's easy to do. There's a, the, World Rugby's a big place. Um you know I really like the Georgian captain, Godzilla. I yeah, yeah. He was I like, awesome, I. Like, eh? Um I like every single player on the Namibian national team. Absolutely. I think those guys, those guys are great. Yeah, they're fantastic. If you look at you look at just true love of the game. Yeah. Uh, Look at the conditions they train under. I think that they're under some really excellent things there. Um, you know, he's not necessarily a, a player, but a coach. Um, I think, I think watching what Vern Cotter has managed to do after he left Claremont. Yeah, the yeah I agree. Don't overdo Scottish rugby. Um, you know, he obviously had to go in there, clean a bit of house, and do the best he possibly can with what he's got. And with what he's mm-hmm. got is a remarkable, remarkable sense of pride. And um, and empowerment with with the clubs around him in Scotland. And he's done a really excellent job there. Um, You know, I I think the. I'm quite happy to see that the fad of moving crossover athletes into the sport and things like that is over with. Um, You know, I think that, you know, Sam Burgess is great. I love watching rugby league, but Mm. I think he was a union player.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, I just. I really, really, really. I have a lot of time for what Scotland is doing. You know, as I sit here in my apartment in North Vancouver, British Columbia, and wax poetic about the Scottish rugby football
2: <laughs> Feel good. That's what the show's for. Um, yeah. Okay, so you stole my third question there. Um, favorite coaches going around. What about um, my fourth question? Who's the coach digging away in the trenches that you
1: think uh, deserves a mention? Ramsey Slangston. Um, yeah, I, I I work alongside this guy, and I'm not just saying this because, you know, I, he's a good friend of mine. He He doesn't do a single thing that we're supposed to do where we've been told to do as coaches uh the approach is it's not for everybody and because of that i i have nothing but respect for the man he yeah. is the first one the first one to say maybe what i'm doing isn't the right way to do it show me a better way to do it um highly motivated learner that that for my own personal coach development you know i knew the guy socialized with the guy taxi actually coach alongside him it's it is constant. I've never, I've never once heard him say, no, you can't do that, Curry. Yeah. With a constant – it's a constant – you know, I'm the other head coach out there, but th- there is a hierarchy, and he is the guy. And he's always said, you know, try it out. If it doesn't work, we'll get after it. Try it out. If it doesn't work, we'll fix it. Try it out. Try it out. Try it out. Um, very receptive to new information. Yeah. New information. And it's just – it's it's very rewarding to work with somebody like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, he's a good bloke. And, um, yeah, I like catching up with him whenever I see him. So. Yeah. Just like you are a good bloke, mate, and uh, thanks, thanks a bunch for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I had a great, great chat with you, and um, really looking forward to catching up with you in uh, real life one day soon.
1: Okay, well, when you're out here, give me a call, and if you need anything else, Andy, just shoot me a text.
2: Absolutely, man. Awesome, Curry. Thanks, bud. Take care, bud. Okay, cheers, mate.
0: Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. You can also follow us on Twitter at RugbyCoachSCNR or via the website at TheRugbyCoachesCorner.com. Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.